Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics, right here on Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Mount Olympus. I am Hercules Invictus. My Olympian mission is to promote lifelong personal development, human empowerment, out of the box thinking, creative self expression, and a dedication of one's unique talents to community service. All of my labors in this lifetime celebrate the hero's journey in myth, legend, spirituality, popular culture, and in daily life. I firmly believe that the human spirit is essentially heroic and always seeking ways to express its innate nobility and greatness, and that a life fully lived, dedicated to actualizing the highest we can conceive, is the noblest expression of human existence. Tonight, on Age of Heroes, the Arcadia Project, I am honored to be welcoming back Dr. Shelley Kerr. And today she's going to take us on a journey of understanding our past lives with animals. Greetings and welcome, Shelley. How are you? Hercules, Happy New Year. Many blessings. For you as well. <laughs> I was so happy when I got that uh, email from Kat uh, because I was going to call you. Uh, we're starting a new series of shows on uh, uh, matters cosmic and uh, also on uh, uh, past lives and the astral plane. So, of course, you came to mind uh, because of all your wonderful Yay. work. Uh, so I was going to contact you, but uh, Kat gave me the opportunity. So uh, I'm glad that uh, she did. That is awesome because I was thinking about you and I was going to contact you also. Oh, wow. To see if you wanted to talk, but she did it. Good. So... It was meant to be, to start this year off. Right. Yes, absolutely. So I'm really excited about learning uh, about uh, your new book. We have uh, many animals in our lives. We have several cats. We have two dogs. uh, And uh, we've been animal people uh, forever. (laughs) So it's great to hear that uh, there's a possibility of uh, meeting them in other lives. I know in dreams and sometimes as spirits, uh, I've contacted or have been contacted by uh, several animal friends, but it's very comforting to know that they accompany us on our incarnational journeys. Yes, they do. Um, And you and I have kind of brushed on the importance of our animals, even in our other conversation, because, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it makes sense. I mean, they're such a huge part of your life. They're part of your family. You spend years and years with them, and of course, we share things with our pets on some level. Um, they know yes. all of our secrets. They they know who we are. They love us anyway. <laughs> uh huh. And so, yes, um, what started out as kind of a 
I'm always kind of joking around about the fact that, you know, my cat is so spoiled that I just wonder, you know, he must have really good karma to have me <laughs> waiting on him hand and foot and stuff. And so um, it just kind of started out a little bit as a joke. And then really, I when I started looking into it, I realized that a lot of people believe that they have had um, past lives with their pets. A lot of people believe that, you know, like um, it has also happened to me that a, a pair of cats that I had as a child ended up showing up as an adult. I used to always kind of joke around about it, but then once I did regression and I, I really went into those places, I, I believe that sometimes these cats and dogs can come back to people in the same life, just like they do mm -hmm. in that fictional story, The Dog's Journey, that series of books, which are fictional. But, you know, then I started realizing that this is a common belief amongst many people. And then the other thing is that sometimes during past life regressions, you know, I don't go to or people don't come to see me or other counseling kind of situation because you know they're having issues with their dog you know usually it's about some uh -huh. life really important thing in their life and then they just happen to find out oh my gosh you know I came in for one issue but I'm discovering that I've known my dog in a past life or my horse or my cat and so that ends up being kind of a pleasant thing that comes out of the past life regression and it just deepens people's understanding of yes i mean these are soulmates the same as people are soulmates and um, mm -hmm. it's, it's a very loving relationship did i ever tell you about my cat uh, ghost i don't know uh, if i shared that uh, particular story but ghost is what proved no. to me that uh, this was indeed so um well ghosts have always been a part of my life whether there are animal ghosts or uh, people ghosts or uh, ghosts that aren't uh, quite human, more like nature spirits and things like that. So uh, I'm a haunted person um, in a good <laughs> way, though. And uh, when we lived in Pennsylvania, we lived in the Poconos, in the wooded mountains uh, there. And uh, one of the spirits that had attached itself to our household was a, a Siamese-looking uh, cat. And uh, it wasn't a solid cat. And at the time, I believe we had four or five uh, physical cats. Um, but people who would come over to visit, they would ask about the Siamese. And, you know, we would tell them that, you know, the Siamese is a ghost. You know, we don't have uh, uh, a physical Siamese cat right now, but it, it, it's kind of there. And uh, you could feel her rubbing against your leg like a, a physical cat would. And jumping on the bed as a physical cat would or, you know, rushing past you um, and uh, uh, cr more creepily chewing on, I guess, a ghostly uh, cat food <laughs> at night. You could hear like a cat crunching and all the cats were on the bed and there weren't any other animals uh, out there because we, we had checked that uh, pretty often. But you'd hear the, the sound of uh, hard uh, cat food being uh, chewed. So anyway, one of our cats uh, that we'd acquired uh, was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And when she gave birth to uh, kittens, uh, the ghost went into one of the kittens. So I named the ghost Ghost, because what else would you call a ghost cat? <laughs> uh, so I recognized her because the kitten looked like a Siamese, you know? And when I oh, would gosh. call her ghost, before she even knew how to walk, she would try to, you know, come up to me. And she never behaved like a kitten during her entire existence, but like a full-grown uh, cat. And she's still with us. Uh, she turned uh, totally black, uh, as did uh, some of the other cats, uh, uh, as she got uh, older. 
Um, but uh, that was uh, her particular journey. And again, I don't accept ghosts at face value because they could appear in different guises. So I gave it a good couple of years uh, before I accepted that she was indeed a ghost cat and not something pretending to be a ghost uh, cat. Um, but she was a ghost for a few years and then became a physical cat. And now we've had her for uh, nearly uh, two decades. Oh, my gosh. You know what I do remember that we talked about last time was I think you told me. I thought you said that you did believe. Maybe it was this that you were talking about ghosts. I thought you were also broadening that generalization that if when animals cross over, they're sometimes lost, and so they'll just jump yes. into another animal. Yes. Is that so what we, you about that in, I, I see animals uh, all the time, and they're ghostly animals, and some of them stay for quite a while. Uh, and then they'll vanish mysteriously. And others will just be there for once or twice, and then they'll they'll pass through. But just like there are human ghosts, I find that there are animal ghosts uh, um, as well. And uh, they're like as quirky as the human ghost. Like sometimes they'll be partially materialized. We had for a few years a dog. Uh, it was a small dog, and it kept materializing. But you, it, it, it looked fairly solid, except you could see through the head and one of the legs. <laughs> so it was oh a little unnerving encountering it, but uh, and then it just uh, one day, you know, after we were like really used to it, because again it was there for years, uh, it just wasn't there anymore, and we, we, you know, don't know what happened to it after it left. Um, you know, maybe it incarnated uh, someplace nearby. I, I don't know. Wow, I point about um, invisible things scratching and chewing food yeah. that isn't actually there. Um, I had this cat named Goo, who I talk about in the book. We were very connected, and she was one of the pair. There was a pair of cats that I said, you know, I had them as a kid, and I thought they came back. And so when they came back, one of them we named her Kitten. I mean, because she just didn't have, have a good name. She was real sweet, but she just got she got hit over the head or something. Ooh. She got out. Someone abused her, unfortunately. She came back, and she was just mean. And so she was just kind of hard to be around. And then Goo was like a little fuzzball that you could carry around the house. And after Goo passed away, for a few days after her death, she um, was in the litter box and eating her food and stuff, ghostly-like. And so I, I, you know, I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and around the Navajo and, and the Native American beliefs. So I just thought, something just told me, okay, I live in this condo with this upstairs where I have a north window and a south window so I could just open up the windows in the hall and just let the air out and just kind of do a ceremony and ask her her soul to leave out the north window, which is kind of a Navajo <laughs> thing. And then, and then that smudging and that ceremony kind of, um, you know, got rid of her. And the kitten in the first life, when they, when I was a kid, um, the cats that I had were Sashay and Sam. So Sashay was a calico. looks very similar to the way Kitten looked. And these pictures are on my Instagram. If people want to go to Shelly Care Instagram, they'll see the pictures of me comparing these, these sets of cats. But um, she was also kind of vicious, and she was killing the neighbor's fish in their pond and stuff. Yeah. So she had been run over by a car. She'd been poisoned because I know the neighbors were actually out to get her and stuff. And so when Kit, in this current, in the, her next incarnation with this family, she ended up, she was also really kind of vicious, and she took off for a month, showed back up at the house. She had been injured in the leg, 
maybe bit by a coyote or something. And when I was mm-hmm. a little kid, that cat had also been injured by the car accident, and it was in the same leg. And then how she changed, like what was interesting is like we think about if I'm a soul, hopefully I'm evolving over my different lifetimes and learning from my past mistakes. And so Kitten ended up, when she got to a certain age, she just picked herself up and she just moved in the house. And she said, okay, I'm not going to try to cat around anymore. I'm just going to stay inside where it's safe. And so she lived longer than any other cat I ever had. But what happened was um, when she did pass, she was like 21 years old, um, for a few nights. I Well, I went around because, you know, the animal shelters really need help. They need your bedding. Yeah. They need food, anything we can give them, right? So I was like, okay, um, I still have – I still had goo at the time. I said, well, fine, let's just – we're going to put all the – bedding and things that belong to her and just get him out of here and I looked down into the foyer and you know there she was she was standing next to her <laughs> items and I thought OMG she is not happy with this you know but once I got rid of her bedding then I didn't see her anymore so so I believe you I, I've had those I mean things I, I don't know and then I guess when she died also um you know, I buried her in the yard, and I mm-hmm. went out. There was no wind anywhere, and, you know, the wind chimes started blowing from nowhere yeah. and stuff. So, yeah, there's always supernatural things. And one of the things that um, ever since a book came out, Past Lives with Pets, it seems like a lot of people have contacted me about just how hard it is, and I know you and Athena know this, just how hard it is when we lose the pets, you know. Yeah. It's bad enough if they're haunting us, but you're also heartbroken, and it's just really, really hard to get over that kind of thing. Uh, yes, and certainly as you missed them, uh, we had a dog uh, for over eight years, and uh, she was a chihuahua, and uh, uh-huh. she had uh, died, and I was holding her while she died at the vets, um, and uh, so every now and then, you know, I think of her, there's there's only been like a handful of times when, you know, she, she's been here as a spirit, but I think of her fairly often, sometimes uh, powerfully, and I miss her a lot, uh, but uh, she was our first dog. And uh, mm. now we have two uh, more dogs, and um, my dog is a Chihuahua, and her uh, um, her picture. Athena had found her picture uh, um, like earlier, and she had uh, captured the image. And uh, then when we went to look at the puppies at the shelter, because we got res- rescue dogs, because as you said, shelters need a lot of help, and there's a lot of animals oh, in, yes. in the shelters. Um, Sophia, as her full name is Theosophia, Divine Wisdom, uh, she uh, saw me and immediately she was a very timid dog. She ran immediately up to me and hid under my armpit. <laughs> so, so she's been with us ever since. And uh, we have her and we have Nebula. And oh, uh, yeah, and Sophia, it's like I've had her forever. She's like my constant companion and uh, uh, one of my closest friends. And as you said, she loves unconditionally. Uh, so uh, um, I feel a connection and I've often wondered, you know, if, if this connection goes back, I don't feel she was any uh, animal that I've had in this lifetime, but she might've been somebody that was with me at another time because there was that instant uh, connection and Athena finding the picture and uh, the dog choosing me rather than me choosing the dog. <laughs> uh, so it all worked out. Yeah. I mean, there's a real destiny to it. There's no doubt. I mean, yeah. it's like, you know, you locked eyes and there it was and she found you and that was it. I mean, 
and I guess, you know, different people have different beliefs and certainly different religions have different beliefs about do the animals, maybe the animals are people, maybe they've come back in different forms, but you can make that soul connection just by gazing into their eyes. Yeah. And you know it's there. It's like how would, I mean, and you think about it's not as random as it seems. I mean, Athena saw the picture, you went there at that exact moment when she was able to see you. I mean, you know, it's very divine. Yes. Yes, everything clicked into place. It was very synchronistic. And, you know, looking back, there were a bunch of synchronicities. Uh, um, and uh, um, I'm at a period in my own uh, spiritual studies um, where uh, I'm studying some very ancient mysteries. And that was something else I wanted to contact you about, the, the space minnowins. They've been popping up all, all over the place. And, uh, of course, I thought of you. Um, and so I'm studying things from that era. And uh, I found a painting with uh, Hercules and a dog that ties into the story of these ancient mysteries. And even though it's a different breed of dog, it looks just like Sophia. <laughs> and of course, the Hercules looks like, yeah, it looks uh, like me with shorter hair. Uh, so that was another like weird synchronistic type of thing. And, uh, and my, what I'm studying ties into Theosophia, which is the dog's name. So you know, just one synchronicity after another and uh, uh, just kind of like the universe letting you know that you're on the right track, you know, that this was supposed to happen. So just go with it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people go, well, you know, I'm not getting any signs. I think we are getting signs. We just have yeah. to pay attention. But that time. can't be any more exact, you know, obvious, you know, than seeing a painting of you and your dog. I mean, that's kind of like, yes. doing. There it is. <laughs> so that's awesome. I mean, I think it's, I don't know, there's just a lot of things on multidimensional levels that are at work in our lives to bless us if we just take the time. And the animals, you know, because of their loving nature and their openness, they just open us up to so much um, possibilities and so much more love than we would have without them. Oh, most certainly so. And even like chance encounters with animals. I remember last time I was in uh, Greece, um, I went to a zoo. And uh, in the zoo, I encountered a zebra, and the zebra behaved like uh, she was my best friend, and like instantly bonded, and like the zebra followed me around, <laughs> and uh, it was it was very uncanny, and uh, I had to leave at the end of the day, and the zebra grew phenomenally disturbed, and I would have gone back to uh, uh, visit the zebra again, but I was coming back to the United States, so I couldn't, but I always felt bad that I didn't... Uh, uh, continue uh, getting to know this zebra because this zebra recognized me immediately, um, and I felt the connection too. I the, the zebra probably saw it more clearly than I did, uh, but I felt the connection, and the, and the zebra again just followed me around and wanted to be petted, and uh, it was amazing. My God, that is so cute. Yeah. It's reminding me of something weird that happened. I haven't. I don't think I've even told anyone this. I was in India. I think this was in 2006. I went to speak at a conference, and then mm -hmm. I didn't know the people, but we had agreed in advance that a bunch of us were going to go traveling together. So we were in some town, and in the middle of the town square, they had um, a snake charmer with a cobra in a basket. Mm -hmm. And something just, I don't know, I mean, I just kind of went all Harry Potter on everyone all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> I walked up to the snake, and... I don't know. I just I thought it was hungry or something. I just felt so bad for it. I just went up and sat next to it 
and I was able to touch it and kind of send it some healing and stuff for a long time. And the people with me were literally like they were, their jaws were dropping. They were mortified. Wow. They thought I was going to get killed. Well, it doesn't have its venomous, you know, fangs or anything, but I just felt like it needed a healing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes you have to mortify people, I guess. I don't know. It wasn't going to hurt me, though. I wasn't, I'm not, I don't know why I'm just not scared of snakes. I mean, they're just creatures. I mean, I don't want to be bitten, of course, but I don't know. It was weird. It was another weird with me, adventure. With me, it's hornets and bees for some reason. They seem to like me. And uh, mm-hmm. sometimes when they've been stuck inside of houses and they're agitated and they keep uh, crashing against windows, I'll put my finger there and they'll like, walk on my finger and calmly stay there till I open the door and you know they can uh, fly away. And in all my years, I've only been bitten by them uh, twice. Uh, once as a child and once when we first moved uh, back to New Jersey, I guess the uh, uh, hornet was very agitated, <laughs> very agitated. Uh, but uh, I always seem to have a calming effect on them. And, uh, you know, like I said, they'll just like walk on me and, uh, you know, and, and, and remain okay until uh, I can open the door. That's a skill, Hercules, that people will pay for. <laughs> really? <laughs> Please come over. And calm these bees down so they don't terrorize us. There's a story in the pet book about a woman who was always getting stung by them. And so she went back into a past life and was able to clear out a couple things. And then they stopped bothering her. So, you know, I think there's a certain karma to it. But you must have, you must be a bee whisperer, you know. (laughs) Haven't tried whispering to them, but I I will next time. uh, (laughs) Yeah, people are going to love that skill. You can put that on your resume for sure. I mean. I don't know why. So, yeah, people do get scared of certain things, but part of it is just calming down. But I guess it also has to do with, in some cases, you know, what is their karma? Maybe maybe something happened to them in the past, or even if it was just in childhood, things do happen. So, Yeah, the, those, those things do happen and uh, become part of uh, our, uh, our tales. Now, you are one of the most fascinating people I know because uh, you're – uh, journeys are not only restricted to this world and then the etheric uh, and astral worlds that uh, surround it that are pop, you know, populated by spirits and uh, energies and, and things like that, uh, but uh, you've also found a way to uh, um, make use of time uh, and it's non-linearity. I don't know if I'm saying that word correctly, but anybody who's done any type of internal work for a while will discover the time is fluid. And although yes. uh, we experience it as uh, being linear, uh, on some levels it really isn't. <laughs> it really isn't at all. Um, and uh, yours are the first works that approach this in a very human uh, way where uh, if you are already aware of it, it, it t- connects the dots, you know, remarkably. And then if you're not aware of it, it uh, opens you up to that possibility and has you considering it. Uh, so uh, you've done a tremendous service uh, through your writings. And I'm sorry, I, I, because of the mail with the COVID, I haven't gotten the, the well in uh, the copy of the, the book yet, but uh, your books are very readable and rereadable. Thank you. And uh, uh, I've been rereading them in preparation for talking to you again, which again, Kat made simple. Um, so <laughs> thank you for doing that. That uh, it, it is really, really uh, excellent. And this book sounds like it, it uh, further expands and adds another dimension to your life work. 
Yeah, some of it seems like kind of accidental. Even um, one of the books I did on time was a Beyond Reality Evidence of Parallel Universes, and that was mm-hmm. another one that kind of came ab- came about because of an accident where a friend of mine and I, I had had a dream, and it was really a real dream about mm-hmm. I was driving in a car down a two-lane highway, and my friend got out of this taxi. We were in this taxi. There was ocean on one side, buildings on the other. Um and basically, we never reconnected again. So the next day, I thought, I'm just going to tell him about this dream. And so I started telling him about it. He goes, I had the same dream. He goes, you know, I was waiting for you to come back and get me. You never did. And I was like, well, that, that's what I was doing. And <laughs> and so I just, again, I'm asking a silly question. I wonder if we're living in a parallel universe right now in some other dimension. And so I started mm-hmm. like taking clients into experiential um, alternative realities and between that and all the past life regressions and going into the future memories and stuff, you do really get your mind eventually into the idea that, yeah, time is not linear. And right now I've got a, a past life regression certification class that I'm teaching, and that's what I'm trying to explain to these people. I mean, if you're going to have a past life regression, then we have to go into the imagination and create, let's say, linear time so that you can Mm -hmm. differentiate between what we're looking at today in January 2021 versus, okay, now we're going to go back into the Middle Ages or we're going to go out into the future. But that that is really an illusion, obviously, because all these different things are happening simultaneously, of course. And we can't understand them, but that doesn't mean it's not real. There's a lot of things we, where you can't really understand here, you know. Yeah, it makes it, life interesting. It, it certainly does. And uh, and the thing is that, that you can get to these places in a variety of different ways. Like I do dream work. I, I can't do it every single day because uh, in a very short period of time, I'll remember like 20 dreams. <laughs> and then uh, I would be doing nothing but writing down, you know, my dream experiences. Um, and a few times I've tried also writing my daytime experiences and then forget it. Like you're writing like little snippets of information all day. Uh, so I try my best to keep on top of that. But in dreams also, there, um, there are like places between dreams that allow you to travel, you know, even to dreams that you've had uh, decades ago. And um, conceptually and visually, they'll appear in different ways. Like one of the ways that my uh, inner self presents them is like these globes, like bubbles, I guess you can call them, uh, where if, if you look at the bubble, it'll expose you to certain scenes, and then you can go in the bubble and you can re-experience the scenes. And, and then you'll remember, hey, I dreamt this when I was in my 20s, <laughs> you know, like 40 years ago. Uh, uh, so th- th- that's one way where where you could like find the non um, linearness of, of time, because when you enter these different uh, dreams, um, you re-enter places and circumstances that you experienced a long time ago. And then even if you're doing that psychologically with your own life, you know, once you figure out how to do that, um, you can re-enter scenes and re-experience them, but also you can be observing scenes um, and like experiencing them from two different perspectives at one time, like you can in a dream or in a meditation where you're both participant and observer. Yes. And you get these weird paradoxes because you discover that you're the ghosts you saw when you first had the experience or you're the presence that you're feeling, you know, back, back then. 
that's exactly one of the points in the Parallel Universe book is like, you know, there's someone who's talking to us and guiding us. What if mm-hmm. that's you? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I thought that same thing because someone's helping us. We, you know, and I always, I'm into helping people, you know, connect with like a guardian angel or a guide or some helpful, loving being that loves you unconditionally and that knows everything about you. But what if that being is you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. So what you're saying is if you had a dream, you would try to remember it and just imagine it in a bubble. And then later you could come back and go, oh, I had this dream when I was 20. Is that what you're saying? That's profound. Um, kind of. Uh, when I enter, um, like I do meditation before uh, bed and then uh, – uh, when I wake up every day, well, mostly every day. Sometimes, again, I have to get up earlier, you know, um, uh, get exhausted uh, from my day. But most days when I'm following a routine, which is most days, um, I have these periods of transition. And during the time of my meditation, sometimes I'll slip like into or back into the hypnagogic or the hypnopompic state which are like those in-between states where you're, you're awake and asleep at the same time. And yes. that's where visionary experiences take place. So sometimes when I'm in those states, I'll be kind of like, a, um, I, I guess like a psychedelic type of place where there are like yes. these bubbles. And these bubbles, you know, um, they're moving along. You know, they have their own thing that they're doing. And when I approach the bubbles, I could see into the bubbles and there are scenes. And then when I, if I gaze into it for longer than a few seconds, it'll be scenes from a dream. Because dreams were multidimensional. We're living in different places. We're married to different people. We're different ages. We're doing different things. So uh, dreams are kind of like infinite uh, possibilities that we get to experience uh, every uh, night. And, and again, if you... Uh, have attention to it, your multidimensionality becomes a fact, you know, because you're living all these lives, you know, kind of at the same time. And sometimes you're not aware, like, like if you're dreaming and you're married to somebody else and you have a different type of uh, job and, you know, you know, different uh, people, um, unless you do like uh, lucidity type of work where you're, you uh, challenge your awareness and then ask yourself, you know, uh, what is actually real, um, at, at this particular moment that I'm in, um, you just go along with what the dream tells you is real. So you know the people that you know. You you know the job, and you've been doing the job that you've been doing. You live in this place, you know, and these people and these animals are in your life, and you only question, you know, the reality of it. So when I look in the bubble, it kind of draws me back in there if I if I look at it too long, and I'm I'm in something that I become lucid and remember is a dream that I've had. And wow. then if I remain lucid, I could experience you know, pretty much the same thing, but make different choices and uh, be aware that I'm dreaming. Or if not, I can get sucked back into it and become unconscious and become like a, you know, like a, a participant in the experience or a detached uh, observer, which is like another like stance or sometimes shift back and forth, you know, uh, and sometimes the, the most exciting is when you're simultaneous, when you're the act. Or, um, or the participant in the dream, and then you're also something that's hovering above the dream, like a spirit guide, you know, observing. Um, and you, you kind of experience both perspectives uh, simultaneously. You know, this idea that you're talking about, about being in this 
duality of observer, actor and observer um, is exactly what I'm trying to explain to these hypnosis students or really anybody who wants to have a past life regression because there's different ways that you can guide someone into that space or that, you know, if I'm working with my clients, I might either, depend if, if they're in, you know, having a lot of trauma or something, then I can use tools that enable them to be outside of the action and look at it, you know, and be dissociated with it versus being associated and going straight past memories. But even if they're in a past memory, once they float above that life and they can look, they can gaze down on the life, they go from actor to observer right in that split second. And that's what, like if there is an emotional charge or something that needs to be released, the minute they go from looking out their own eyes to you know, like hovering over the event, it it removes the charge. It removes the negativity or whatever you want to call it or the the emotion and it kind of heals it, you know, it kind of pops yeah. the thought form of that off and then that thing is healed because you can't observe, you know, if I observe thing A and then I turn it over and I observe it from the other side, it becomes a different event completely in that yeah. split second. Yeah. And it takes the, you know, that's what causes healing. Yes. Which is uh, exactly what you're saying. And in the dream state, yes, you're, and there's no doubt. I mean, well, like I said, that this is at least amongst the realm of possibilities that, of course, I mean, who knows you better than the future you who's probably coming back to talk to yourself? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, I stumbled across it by accident or yeah, I, I didn't like read about it. So I might have known it from a past life or from some other level. But I, I discovered during my meditation years ago that if you like sense outside of your body, sometimes there are geometric shapes. And then after a while, I learned how to enter the geometric shapes. And I discovered that, um, and again, this is just the form that, that this projected for me. Other people might experience it, it uh, differently. <clears throat> but to me, the shapes were tensions. So when I learned to enter the tension, I was able to uh, uh, enter the event that caused the tension um, and uh, observe it but also experience it. And that's how I first stumbled across uh, that. And yes, if you're looking at something with the eyes of an adult or a later you, often what was traumatic to a child isn't traumatic to an adult. Or you recognize things in the situation that you might not have recognized in the situation. Or you come to different conclusions and you could release you know, tons of uh, stuff that you've been carrying around like very quickly because you've... Uh, it, it's not something you've thought about or somebody told you. It's something you're you're seeing with your own eyes and re-experiencing, uh, but from a different uh, perspective. And it it, it kind of cures it immediately, whatever it was that uh, uh, was causing that tension or dysfunction in the first place. I totally agree with what you're saying. Yes. Yes. I, I don't know if I told you this before, but I feel like I need to tell this. Okay. I need to write a book about this. Okay, which is coming up in my I have a queue of things I'm working on, but I haven't written this yet. But in 2006, it's at that same event that I just mentioned a while ago where I was petting a cobra mm-hmm. <laughs> in India and mortifying the other people with me. Um so before I got out to that part of our journey, um I was speaking at an international conference for past life regressionists. And I was presenting the research 
that I had done in this book called Beyond Reality, which is about parallel universes. So when I arrived at the hotel, I didn't know any of these people. Yeah, right, of course. You know you know that's not the case because, of course, they uh, probably just knew each other in past lives. Uh-huh. But in this life, I didn't know these people. I knew none of them. So my roommate had explained when we met, when we first met, she put her suitcase down, said hello, and said, yeah, as soon as this conference is over, I'm traveling to the south of India, and I'm going to go have my naughty leaves read. And I said, oh, what's that? And she told me that these are these leaves, and it's kind of a mystical prediction. Something, I don't know what she said, really, but something just hit me in the head, and I said, I need to have this done. So I said, can we just do it here in Delhi, because we were in New Delhi? And she says, I don't know. And so I kind of put it together. We There were some guides helping us, so we had them call around and see if they could do it. So there was about five of us who went, and what this is is um, – I guess I guess Burr wrote about this also in one of his books, but I don't know which book it was. But <clears throat> they make predictions, and Deepak said that he, they told him um, when his father was going to die and stuff. Like they know things about you that you can't possibly know. And so we found a reader. We had to make an appointment. They drove us around Delhi to some apartment complex, and we walked in there. And you don't give your name. You just put a thumbprint into a pad and you go sit down. You're not speaking. You're not telling people your name. They don't know your birthday. And so they take the thumbprints back into the back, and they start searching through these documents that look almost like, like if I, you know those little um, kind of curved wooden trays that we put like an incense stick in or something? Yeah. So these these leaves, these are knotty leaves, but they're made out of like bamboo, so they're kind of like kind of carved into these leaves, and they've got little writings on them. So they go in there, and so they call you back. They've got several stacks, and so they start. So there's a guy who is speaking Tamil, which is not even a current language. There's a Hindi translator who's going to tell you in English. So the guy's going, ba 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 ba. You know, you don't know what he's talking about. And he goes, ba. And so the guy would go, your name is George. And I go, nope. Okay, great. Well, put that stack aside. Go through these. D d d d d. You do this. You do that. So through the process of elimination, bottom line, eventually. Um, they told me my mother's name. Well, I I guess that's not really true. Okay, this is what they exactly told me. They told me your mother is named for a Greek goddess, mm-hmm. which really is true, but she doesn't go by her first name, but that is true. And then they said, um, I've got an autistic brother. So they said, you have a handicapped brother. Okay, you know, you kind of got me there. Okay. Next thing they said was, they said your father's name, the guy's going blah, 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 Mickey. And the the translator said, "You're in this current lifetime, your father's name is Mickey. And I'm like, holy guacamole. I mean, I'm sorry, but a guy who lives on the other side of the world does not pronounce my dad's name like that. And I said, holy cow, you know, I think that this is my thing. And so I said, that's it. Okay, these three things plus some other things are there. Those The, the dad's name, though, really almost scared me to death. So you go away, they pull the full record, and you come back for a second appointment. And so one of the other ladies, there was about five of us who all had our records at this place. One of the ladies got so scared that she came down with a shaking fever and couldn't show back up. Because what they tell you is, you know, big life events, they can theoretically tell you, like, 
you know, like even when you're going to die and stuff like that. And you know what's so interesting, you know, when you've been working in this field for a long time, everybody thinks they want to know everything about themselves. But if somebody actually offers that to you, you would be really surprised how fast you just really don't want to know that stuff. You know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. she was scared to death. She told me to go pick her stuff up. Bottom line is they read the, the thing for me. And it wasn't really as scary as I thought. They kind of just... It was kind of like music, you know, there's just a beat to the song. They kind of just hit the high notes and told mm-hmm. me some tendencies. But they did tell me things that kind of at that point really made a huge impact into my reality. Because in the book Beyond Reality, I was saying, okay, we are in total control over what's happening here. But the people in India said, no, you're not. There's destiny here. And, you know, you were meant to come here. They, The beginning of the reading begins, you know, you were meant to come here on your 39th birthday you were born on a wednesday and they gave my birth date and i'm like holy cow i mean like i said they didn't have anything but my thumbprint if that doesn't knock you off your socks then i just don't know what would and so amazing what happened is they said you know your career you're going to keep teaching you know in vedic astrology it's teach publish and advise you're going to continue to do that but you're really not going to hit the stride until you're in your 50s and i thought well my god you know i'm going to be a relic by then (laughs) And now I'm in my 50s, Hercules. And I know, I'm in my to 50s. kind of be going, you know. Well, uh-huh. Yeah, you know, I was like, what? I'm only 30 years old or 39 years old. That's, that sounds ridiculous. But, you know, I have to say some of the things they said, I mean, you could get into this whole paradox, like did I make that happen because I believed it or is it just really happening? But the bottom line is um, one of the things that came out that was very peaceful is that, they don't tell. They didn't tell me exactly when I'm going to go, but I sense that I'm going to be here for a really, really long life, and I hadn't really had that sense necessarily before. So, like, if I'm on an airplane now and there's turbulence, I just go, "Well, it's okay. You know, we're going to make it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. It, it was a very weird think. experience, and it kind of um, it did shake the foundations of my reality, though, for many years. That is awesome. Thank you for sharing that story, and I'm looking forward to reading it when you write, when you write it and share it in the book. Yeah, one of these days soon. I'm almost. I, I I wanted to do it a while ago, but I thought I don't think I'm a good enough writer yet, or I'm not. I'm just not ready yet. And I went to a Buddhist monastery in 2019 and had a very mystical experience there. And once I had that experience, I said, oh, I think I'm almost ready to write that book now, finally. But I I couldn't have done it before then. I had to come to peace with the things that I was saying to people was that, you know, you're, you can create your whole reality. That's what I really believed. Mm-hmm. But yet now I've come to know, okay, you still do create your reality, but I there's like, I believe, there's mile markers or it would be like if we're going to drive to California – you know, we might stop in Phoenix and maybe into Albuquerque and some other places, but, you know, which you know, which gas station are we going to go to or something? I mean, some of these are divine appointments, and then some of them are kind of going to happen along the way, and there's still choice within that. Right. But certain places you're still going to be at certain times, and certain people, and like we were talking about earlier, maybe certain animals, you're really meant to have them in your life. So it's some mix between destiny and total free will. And so once I came to peace about that, then I finally was able to say, okay, I think I'm I'm almost ready to write this book. 
Awesome. Yeah, I, I've come to the same conclusion that uh, uh, we do create uh, our experience to a phenomenal degree, much more so than most people feel uh, comfortable with. And uh, you can come to that conclusion even studying it psychologically with projection and, and so forth. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, there seems to be a, a rhyme and reason for being here that transcends our ability to color it and connect the dots in you know, a variety of uh, different ways. And uh, some things just seem like they're supposed to happen and that they do happen and that you don't. Uh, on the levels that you identify as you, at least when you're here, uh, maybe in a higher level, that you don't really have a say in that, that that's something you're here to experience or to do. Yeah, I mean, I really, especially with working with so many clients, um, I've come to a definite belief that we do make um, an agreement before we arrive and there's a place I've taken clients to where we can go right to the moments before birth. We can meet with the creator, however they perceive that, and we can actually say, okay, so what am I getting ready to do here for my next assignment? And you can know that, yeah, you know, I, I don't think these things are random. And mm-hmm. I know people are very troubled right now with a lot of things that are going on, but, you know, I still believe we chose to be here at this time. You know, that doesn't mean it's always going to be a walk in the park, but we're here to raise consciousness and it's all going to be okay, you know? I mean, we're, we uh, we wanted to be here. Yeah, I, I believe that, too. And uh, d- during the show, that comes up a lot, you know, when we're discussing modern times, that despite all the, the, the horrors and the extreme uh, circumstances, if you think of it as a mirror and then honestly reflect, you'll find some of these dark tendencies inside of you. And uh, this gives you an opportunity to really look at that inside yourself and understand uh, and maybe resolve and uh, release. And uh, so, uh, again, it's an extreme time and many extreme things are happening, but uh, you can use it uh, to some degree as a blessing. I, there's no doubt about it. There, You know, this has been one of the weirdest years in human history, yeah. probably, but there's been so many awesome blessings, too. I mean, you know, I think that the the lack of being able to go out and meet people and how we've creatively learned how to connect with each other, like on this program and maybe on a Zoom call or all the other things mm-hmm. that we're doing, that we're having to try new things, but we're able to connect with people all over the place. I've met friends this year who I just never would have known if if this hadn't happened. And I think, well, I just couldn't imagine my life without them, you know? Right. And, you know, I try to just say, you know, I'm in a good mood. I mean, has it always been easy? No. But you know what? I mean, this is our life right now. You know, maybe we're going to get out of these houses in six months from now or whatever, but we just have to try to take this moment and say, mm-hmm. how can I make this enjoyable? How can I connect with people in whatever means I have available to me. I mean, thank God for the internet and stuff like that, because in the old days in a pandemic, this would, first of all, we wouldn't have fared as well as we're faring right now. And second of all, we wouldn't have been able to connect with people. I mean, so we're, we are blessed in many ways and, and, you know, somehow we're going to get through all this. And, and I think it's just part of the bigger picture of, like you said, something needs to come out. We need to examine it. And then we're going to a higher level. 
I, I believe that as well. And that helps me navigate uh, through uh, uh, the current uh, experiences. And uh, it's uh, tested my ability to be creative and think of uh, solutions in new ways. And uh, uh, we, we, through the Zoom, we finally got our uh, the Jetsons promise of like TV telephones. <laughs> that that <laughs> ended our, our reality uh, through this uh, pandemic and uh um, you know, it'll be interesting uh, once we can look back on this with some distance, you know, what stories we're going to tell about it and how we will have processed what happened to us and what uh, uh, what grew from it. I know that you are absolutely right. That We're still in it, So, but in a while, we're going to look back on this, I think, for many of us and say, my God, you know what, that was some of the most transformational amazing creative times of our lives. Absolutely. Yeah, most certainly so. And uh, I'm, again, I apologize for not having the book yet, but I will have it soon. So I will reschedule you uh, as soon as uh, I receive it and uh, read it. And I know that uh, I'll read it very quickly. So uh, we can devote oh, well, that's fine. So We can talk about, we can talk all the time. So. And uh, also, I'm looking forward to your book on uh, ancestors, and uh, uh, that's something I've been working on privately as well. So I'd be very interesting, uh, interested to know your your take on that. When is that book coming out? It's very soon, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to come out um, March 8th from Llewellyn. So, and it's in pre-order now. It's called Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life, The Transformative Power of Genealogical Regression, which is where... We're not going into our past lives. We're going to float out to events that happened to our ancestors and send the healing light to them and then experience cellular healing within ourselves as a result of sending that light. That is profound. Uh, and uh, I, I, again, I've discovered that through my uh, practice and uh, have been playing with it. And I, I've been amazed at how much of uh, what we experience is uh, um, ancestral and familial and uh, how uh, something seems to be playing out <laughs> over a, a longer duration of time than our lives. And I, become, I begin to wonder uh, also um, like how much, uh, like, like for instance, uh, when I was growing up, I used to say things uh, that I knew to be true, but I couldn't find any references to them, but I knew that they were true. And then subsequently, you know, through archaeology and, you know, through other avenues of uh, uh, inquiry, uh, the things that I was saying as a kid have been found to be true. And um, through my researches, I've tied this to the, the area that I'm from. Uh, so that uh, these are part of the history of uh, um, the area where um, my genealogy comes from, or a great deal of my genealogy. So there seems to be some sort of ancestral knowledge. And yeah, and it, the themes that happen in my life, I, I'm sure, you know, that they're, some of them are not mine. They're part of this whole familial experience that moves through uh, time. Uh, and, and again, it brings you to, am I living or am I being lived? You know, that weird place <laughs> that it's always uh, interesting to find yourself uh, at. I'll tell you what, my friend, there is no doubt I have thought the same thing. Because th this whole process, um, I developed it because I was 
working with past life clients. And, you know, the goal in past life regression, if you have issue A, okay, great. Then I want to take you back to the source event or the earliest time to get, like, you know, to pull that issue out by the roots and do the healing. That Mm -hmm. would be like if you don't get to the root, then it's like mowing your lawn but not ever pulling the weeds out of it. You know, you're just mowing it off at the top. So sometimes you take them out to what they're telling you the source event is, and I'm thinking to myself, this is not the source. So I began taking them down to these um, ancestral visions and – and then that's when they get some resolution out of it. Mm-hmm. And the thing in the research, you know, now actual scientists, <laughs> of which, thank you, I am not, um, are saying now that up to 20% or maybe even more of our actual personality, like you were saying, you're doing things and you're going, where is this coming from, is actually coming straight in from our DNA and our ancestors. Yes. So if you think about that, yes, I mean, I've got to clear my past lives. I've got to go help my ancestors. I mean, like you say, are we living or being lived? I don't know, man, but it seemed more like we're being lived. And yes. so the yes. more we can heal all of these aspects, um, we're going to not only transform the past, the present, and then the future, and then all beings who come into contact with us begin to shift and change as a result of our changing. So it's very um, possible, but I guess, you know, it takes some consciousness and some effort, obviously, with all these different possibilities and the multiverse and all the things that we've been talking about because it's so multidimensional. Who we are when we show up in a physical body is so complex, you know. Yes put it in a box and everyone we are all one and yet we all are bringing our gifts and things through a little bit differently and so it's very dynamic yes it is and and oh well worth the time uh, we spend uh, exploring it and again there i have to say thank you to you because uh, you've been so generous in sharing uh, your own journey in a variety of ways so thank you shelly Thank you, Hercules. You're amazing. I mean, you, you've really tuned in. You and Athena are really doing some amazing work as well. Thank you. I mean, just really thinking about the deep, what's under the surface. You know, there's so much to us. And I just love to meet kindred souls who are really digging into the, some of this stuff because um, I think it makes life interesting um, to try to understand ourselves. I don't think we're ever going to fully understand ourselves in these physical bodies, but we could certainly give it a try and, you know, try to open up new pathways to being more conscious and more compassionate towards our fellow beings and just start to live the life we want. It's all possible. That it most certainly is. And and I'm uh, very grateful that we have the opportunity through the technology uh, to have uh, this conversation and to share it with other people and to spark more thoughts or uh, help them connect the dots in new ways. And alas, we're at the end of today's conversation. The the hours we have. How can people find you on the internet and um, what would you recommend, where would you recommend that they start with uh, your books and uh, how can they take your classes? Oh my goodness. Um, Yes, my website is pastlifelady.com and so on there they're going to find, there's a link to my books there. I have different kinds of books. I'm kind of moving through the Egyptian pantheon right now. I've got a new series Mm -hmm. on that so that may attract some reincarnated Egyptians, I don't know. <laughs> and then I've got my Llewellyn books on past lives. And um, on there also, I've got the link to my 
online school that I had to open thanks to the pandemic, which is at healingarts.thinkific.com, and there's different courses there, and I'm putting new courses out all the time. I've got a YouTube channel. Um, the address is very long and strange, but if you just type the words Past Life Lady into YouTube, it will bring up my channel, and I would love people to hit subscribe and check out some videos. I'm putting more videos online right now. So I will, I, will, I will do that. I have a second program tonight. I will do that after the second program, and I'll put links. Uh, I will Google you. Um, and I will put links to all of your stuff up uh, tonight. And uh, you you will receive many invitations subsequently because uh, uh, the shows I was talking about wanting to do last time we spoke, they're all either hap- you know happening now or happening very soon. So I, 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 I'm going to be inviting you and we're going to have these conversations a lot. Oh, yes. I want to come and support your work, your show. It's fantastic. I love that you're digging deep into the mysteries because that's what we need right now. Excellent work. And thank, thank you for having you me on the show. With you and uh, um, happy, healthy, and prosperous uh, new year. Uh, may you find more light and much deeper understandings, and uh, may you continue to share them so that we could all benefit as we have been doing from your journey. Thank you so much, Hercules. Have a blessed, blessed, and wonderful, prosperous 2021 and beyond. Thank you. And to all who've joined us, whether you've joined us live or on demand later on, uh, these blessings extend to you as well. Until next time, this is us wishing you joyous journeys and amazing adventures. And we're going to end with Evolve by Bohm Poet Orchestra. One thing.